1: <laughs> don't. <laughs> Why are you anticipating my disappointment in
0: you? <laughs> because I can see it on your face and I'm here right now to tell you. Uh-huh. Don't start with me. I'll finish with you and we're finished right now. That's what's happening.
2: <laughs>
1: hi Ellen Marsh. Oh, hi Patricia. There she is. There's my big uh... girl. <laughs> You guys, welcome to Obsessed with Disappeared. I forgot what this was called. Oh, he does so
0: many podcasts, he doesn't remember which <laughs> podcast he's sitting down to. <laughs>
1: This is the podcast where Ellen Marsh and I tell the stories of missing people by recapping the episode of IDs disappeared that covered their case. How's it going in Jersey, girl?
0: It's great. I'm a Jersey girl in a Jersey world. So I guess this is a good time to invite you to the Facebook group. Uh, <laughs> Should I do that? I, I don't know. I, it's You guys, he's already eyeballing me. We're a minute <laughs> 25 in and he's eyeballing me.
1: I was going to say start with the Patreon.
0: Okay, well, join our Patreon, you guys. We have the Drama Club. We have tiers that offer you... You three bonus episodes plus trivia once a month. We're going to have this epic trivia night. It is going to be the highlight of your month. You can also get ad-free episodes. You can get our Friday Night Live in podcast form. You can be a part of our Close Friends Circle on Instagram where we give you just a little bit more behind the scenes. And by behind the scenes, I mean we mostly prank and troll Patricia.
1: That's really true. I'm really enjoying being on the Close Friends group, but I'm also, my feelings get hurt because they do just come for me all day long. Now tell them about the Facebook group.
0: Okay. And you can join the Facebook group. Totally free. Totally equally wonderful. The Facebook group, Obsessed with Disappeared Podcast Discussion Group, where you can hang out with us, make fun of us, draw pictures, come for advice, hang out, talk about true crime. We're there all the time. It's so fun. It's honestly gotten me through this year. It is a bunch of filthy animals. Just crazy people.
1: (laughs) You guys, also our Instagram, The Disappeared Pod, every Friday night we go live at 6 p.m. We call it Friday Night Live. It's super fun. I get drunk. I make fun of Ellen. We basically just yell at each other in front of you for 30 minutes, and that's it.
0: And then that's it, and it's so fun. We take your questions. It's honestly a blast. We started it by wanting to recap our recaps, but now it just, like, ends into a big chat fest with 700 of our closest friends.
1: <laughs> Anything else, girl? Anything else you want to say before we do this? Um, I mean, I could talk
0: about, you know, some emotional turmoil that I'm in, no. but I'm fine. It's a comedy podcast. Let's keep it light.
1: <laughs> My favorite outtake from last week is is anything else you want to say about the Holocaust on our, on our comedy podcast, (laughs) anything else? (laughs) Join us today during the Jeep celebration event right now. Get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE or Summit 4xE. All right you guys, disappeared season 3 episode 12 called The Lost Hero tells the story of the disappearance of Brandy Hall.
3: In central Florida, a firefighter and mother goes missing. She left by herself and she did not appear to be in any kind of distress. 24 hours later, her truck turns up empty, submerged in a pond. I seen a
2: picture of Brandy's truck being pulled out of a pond and I just started
3: going crazy did brandy hall have reason to flee i can't grasp the concept of her just up and leaving and and living in costa rica sipping a pina colada or did someone want to hurt her
0: you can't help but think it perfect timing right before his
3: court appearance she disappears as an investigation begins the mysteries only multiply She was fixing to get her life back. She
4: was fixing to get her job back. Things were looking so good.
3: Leaving Brandy's loved ones in an endless state of panic.
4: Somebody wake me up out of this horrible, horrible nightmare.
1: Can we just start by saying firefighters are fucking awesome?
0: Firefighters are very awesome. I've dated several. Have you? Oh, my God. So many firefighters. So hot, so dumb, but true American heroes. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, (laughs)
1: Can I tell one quick story? Like, this was like 10 years ago. I was in line at Kmart buying paint, like cans of paint. And they do an annual New York City firefighters calendar. And it's all these like shirtless, hunky firefighters. And I picked one up and I was just looking at it while I was waiting. And the woman in front of me, this like 80-year-old woman turned around. And I was like, is she going to say some homophobic shit to me right now? And this 80-year-old woman goes, kind of makes you want to set something on fire, doesn't it? (laughs)
0: The desire doesn't age. No way! Gladys knows what's up. Let the woman have her calendar. Esther!
3: It's Thursday night, August 17th, 2006. 32-year-old Brandy Hall has just begun her shift at the volunteer fire station in Malabar, Florida. Brandy is one of only two female firefighters in the squad, but she fits right in and is well-liked by her colleagues.
1: So, it starts on Thursday night, August 17th, 2006. We're learning about 32-year-old Brandy Hall, and she's a volunteer firefighter, and she's working at this fire station near Malabar, Florida. Sure. <laughs> The thing about Brandy is apparently everybody loves her, yeah. including and especially this guy, Joe. He's the fire chief at the place where she's the volunteer firefighter.
0: Brandy's the kind of a person that comes around once in a lifetime that's truly, genuinely sincere about helping others. If you were going to be anybody in the fire service, you'd want to be like Brandy Hall.
1: He says a person like Brandy only comes along once in a lifetime. And I said... Is Fire Chief Joe a little in love with Brandy Or am I just being a cynic about it? You are being
0: a cynic Every time he spoke about her Every time he came on screen He was just like the loveliest He just genuinely loved her And just thought she was exemplary So
1: that's where we start, right? And now we're getting a little bit of the Brandy backstory
3: Brandy is something of a local hero Her adventurous spirit Shaped by the sandy swamps and palm groves Of Bull Creek Where she grew up
4: I think growing up on Bull Creek did good for Brandy It's just like a little community that everybody sticks together and takes care of everybody.
1: They say that she's like kind of a local hero. She grew up in a place called Bull Creek. And her friend Stacy, this isn't exactly what she says, but this is how I wrote it down. Bull Creek is amazing. It's twenty-two thousand acres of swamps, alligators, water snakes, and killer clowns. <laughs> Stacy, is that what you said, girl? What'd you actually say?
3: Bull Creek's amazing. It's twenty-two thousand acres of beautiful woods, and that was our playground out there. We learned how to grow up
1: back there. Yeah. Now, it feels like my description is a little more accurate, if you ask me, girl. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That I was like, and no, and no. We're just going to put that on the list of places Patricia will not be vacationing after the <laughs> pandemic is over.
1: No! They talk about their wood as their playground, as though the woods aren't full of Bigfoot and serial killers. Two things live in the woods. We've been over this. Bigfoot and serial killers.
0: Four minutes in. Four minutes in. He's already <laughs> talking about Bigfoot. How many? It's the four? Took him four minutes to get to Bigfoot. <laughs> Write it down. Um. So, so, okay, I got to talk about Mama Debbie for a minute. Mama Debbie is, of course, sweet as can be. She comes to us from what my mom would have described as a tchotchgalarium. galarium. <laughs>
1: Your mother is four foot nothing inches of genius, that woman. Chachgalarium. Do you know what a chachki is? Okay, so a
0: chachki, for those of you that don't know, is like a small object, like a decorative object, like a trinket, a bauble, what have you, maybe a small figurine. And my mom used to hate all things trinkets and used to come into my room and call it a chachgalarium. And Debbie's (laughs) little corner in her (laughs) own little corner, in her own little place is nothing short of a Chachgalarium.
1: That is very, very well said. And so we're just meeting all of the people in Brandy's life and we're learning about the kind of person that Brandy was. Stacy, this, you gotta remember these episodes were all made like at least 10 years ago. So there's a little problematic language here. Stacy goes,
3: She was more like a boy. She did everything boys did. She drove the airboat. She drove the four-wheelers and three-wheelers and... She fed off that stuff. She loved it. (laughs) She liked being better than the boys.
0: And I was like, Oh, Stacey, Mabel, we don't reinforce gender binaries and stereotypes this early in the episode.
1: <laughs> I mean, call me crazy. Poor Stacy. She's like, that's how we do it down here in Buckle Creek or whatever the hell that town is called. Full of Bigfoot. <laughs> that town is full of Bigfoot.
0: No, he said Bigfoot again. Two times, <laughs> write it down. Just write it down for later because he's going to come back again.
1: Girl, we learned that Brandy very nearly died in a, like this fucking terrible three-wheeling accident when she was 11. I know.
4: She happened to go up a hill, and the three-wheeler came back onto her face.
1: Her skull was fractured. Both her jaws were broken. A couple other cheekbone areas were broken.
4: She was in surgery, I think it was 10 to 12 hours, I believe, something like that. It was really traumatic.
1: Not to blame the victim, I think that 11's a little young to be driving a three-wheeler, no? No, it's not. They look like monster trucks to me.
0: Absolutely not. My brother, I used to be on a skateboard and tied a rope around my brother's waist, and he used to bike (laughs) me around our cul-de-sac. Kids are crazy. (laughs) Kids are nuts. Our parents had no control. We grew up in the 90s. It was mayhem. It was anarchy. No. A
1: three-wheeler is a car, though, girl. You know what I mean? Like, this shit has, like, an engine. <laughs>
3: it's like, it's a car.
1: I don't know. I just, I felt so
0: bad. Honestly, this picture, this little baby, she was she was truly unrecognizable. They show it in the episode. The
1: pictures are not okay. Yeah. The pictures are like, no. the pictures are too much. They're really, really bad. She
0: broke her jaw. She underwent a 10 to 12 hour surgery. She spent an entire month in the hospital and then she was still under home care for a year. This was a very, very serious accident.
1: When you get plastic surgery on your face to fix it, yeah. are you, how long do you think that surgery is going to go?
0: I, I Whatever it is, not enough. Because I'm going to come out it. of it and I'm going to be like, put her in again. Let's go for another go. Absolutely not. I said sucked and tucked. Okay? Sucked and tucked. Do it again. So whatever it is, whatever that surgery is, uh-huh. double it. Because I'm coming out looking like a goddamn fetus. I don't care what anyone says.
1: You are beautiful and perfect, and you never need that surgery. Therapy, yes. Surgery,
3: no.
0: <laughs> no, if I can't fix my insides, I'm going to fix my outsides.
3: <laughs> but Brandy's accident did profoundly affect her in another way.
4: I believe it made her dedicate her life to wanting to help other people. That's why she became the firefighter and the EMT and a paramedic, because she wanted to always be there to help everyone.
0: They say that. I love what they said, actually. They say that the accident made her sort of have this mission to help other people. I thought that was really, really sweet and beautiful.
1: Yeah. I mean, it took her over a year to recover. So good for her. And we learned that, like, fresh out of high school, she's volunteering at Halapa Fire Station. So, like, right away, she's really drawn to the world of, like, firefighting. Right. That's so fucking cool. Like, yeah. that is—God, I those people— Heroes, all of them fucking heroes.
3: Fresh out of high school, Brandy began volunteering at the Hollapaw Fire Station. It's there that she met Jeff Hall, another firefighter, and her future husband.
2: When we first met, she was getting in there and getting her hands dirty, and I really liked that. I mean, she was messing it up good, just like the other guys. I've been in the fire service for years, and you didn't see too many women like that. So that's what I think was the initial attraction.
1: So yeah, that's where she meets her husband, Jeff. And Jeff is like, you know, he's like a dude bro firefighter guy. And he was really attracted to her because she wasn't afraid to get her hands dirty. And according to Jeff, you don't see a lot of women who are like that Jeff girl. Please. Yeah, <laughs> Just take, take several seats. Stop talking. Maybe anyway, you and I know different kinds of women, Jeff. Yeah,
0: <laughs> exactly. Um, they were married in 1992,
1: and Jeff, what? Are we not going to talk about the wedding pictures for 49 hours?
0: Oh. I mean, yes. I, you know what's so funny about the wedding pictures is I'm like, ah, an 80s wedding. Nope, 1992, no, no. 1992. I know, just, I know, My time know. is so skewed because she was wearing this satin and she was wearing, you know, the train that went on her finger to hold it up and she was wearing the <laughs> yeah. headband. And I was like, I oh, how's 1984 treating you? It was 1992. It was 1992.
1: And it's like, the thing is, everybody thinks that they look their most beautiful on their wedding day. And it's just like, it's just a time capsule. Like the amount of hairspray used to achieve that look. I just went, oh my God, those pictures. I know.
0: But you know they were like, I look a fire right now. (laughs) I know.
1: (laughs) Yes, yes, she loved how she looked. So they're saying everything at this time in their lives is going great. Jeff becomes the fire chief. Brandy gets a full-time position at the Palm Bay fire station. They're doing what they love. They're super happy. Everyone is saying she's a great firefighter. She saved ninety-five percent of the homes she was called to. I
0: know.
3: Despite working twenty-four hour shifts, Brandy and Jeff made time to start a family. First having a girl and then a boy.
0: The important thing to remember is that firefighters work. 24-hour shifts. So you move into the fire station quite literally. And then, and that's what they were doing. They were working one days on, two days off and they were working at the same time so they could always be home with their small family that they had just started. They had a boy and a girl.
1: And I just said that like Brandy's mom is a superhero grandma. When Brandy and Jeff are working, she's there to take care of the kids. So everything is going super great, you guys, until Saturday, July 2nd, 2005. (laughs) Do you want to tell the people what happens on that day? Oh, oh, (laughs) I'm going to talk about it.
0: Pull over. Listen, pull over and stay there for a while. Okay, just pull over. Go to Panera. Get yourself a broccoli cheddar soup and a Fountain Diet Coke. Okay, listen. Sure. So, husband Jeff was arrested for marijuana cultivation.
1: Wait a second. Husband slash Fire chief Jeff, right? Because he had been promoted to fire chief. Yes, yeah, so you and I are probably not going to be on the same side of this argument, so this will be fun.
0: This'll I can see. Good. Okay, great. We're gonna be. I can see both sides, but we're probably definitely okay. Yeah. So this is this is
1: what we know. We
0: know they had marijuana growing on thirteen acres of land that was just south. Oh, hold hold it! I see your arms waving. Hold it. 13 acres of land just south of where they live, to which I say, go find a real criminal. Go find a murderer. Go find a rapist. Go find an arsonist. Yes. Leave small, homegrown marijuana farmers alone. Unlike alcohol. Hold on, I'm not done. Pot rarely makes you angry or irrational. Unlike cocaine, pot doesn't make you stay up all night. Unlike heroin, pot doesn't make you dead. Pot makes you funny and maybe sleepy. Okay? Marijuana also has medicinal effects and benefits for diseases such as epilepsy, Parkinson's seizures, cancer, glaucoma, uh, terminal illnesses. And and then people argue that it's harmful to your respiratory. How about there is (laughs) 0.00 research that is tied smoking marijuana to lung cancer. So everyone grow
3: up. Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu slash visit.
1: So here's the thing. Number one, you want to say go find a real criminal. I get that. But my thing is, you want to grow some pot, grow a little square of it in the greenhouse in your backyard. Do you know how big 13 acres is? Actually, the- I I, re- I genuinely don't. 13 acres is like Maria Von Trapp twirling around the Alps singing The Hills Are Alive. That is a huge huge amount of pot that these people were growing. You and I are on the same page. Marijuana being illegal is so stupid. But at the time, it was illegal and he's the fire chief. And I love that to this day, it cuts back to Jeff, who's here to talk about it. And he's like, I I don't really remember quite how it all happened, actually.
2: I really can't remember how it all came into play, how it all, the ball started getting rolling. Just thought it would be fun. And... Not really having a thought of the the repercussions of of such actions. It was a stupid mistake.
1: I just thought it would be fun. To which I said, oh, did you fire chief? You thought it would be fun to illegally grow... 13 acres of weed? Yeah, but it's not like
0: he he's not like George Jung over here, you know, going to Columbia and bringing back suitcases of cocaine. He's just growing <laughs> a plant for people to smoke it and get a little giggly.
1: We agree that it should not be illegal, but if it is illegal and you're the fucking fire chief, you shouldn't be growing it. And if you do grow it, then you're going to jail, and that's just how it is. Just,
0: you know what? Just shut your ball, liquors. <laughs> Ah!
1: <laughs> yeah yeah but the thing about it is that jeff says jeff's in big fucking trouble he gets arrested for this shit he swears up and down that brandy had no idea he says she thought i was renting the property and then he goes and girl i wasn't able to hide the money really well we made a lot of money and i went yeah girl because you're growing 13 acres of marijuana
3: but jeff is unable to shield brandy from the repercussions of his crime The property is in both his and Brandy's name, so she is also legally responsible.
1: The property is in both of their names, so apparently that makes her legally responsible as well.
0: And six days later, she's arrested in connection with the distribution charge, and I just wrote in my notes, seriously.
1: But here's the thing, though. Whether it should be illegal or not, or whether they should be arrested or not, he knew that they would be if they got caught. Right. And that's the thing. So, like, you're putting your whole family at risk to grow some weed. That's so fucking stupid.
0: Yeah. He knew what he was doing was illegal and could get him in trouble. Yes.
1: Can I keep flapping my ball lickers then? Or are we done?
0: You like that one, don't you? You like that one? <laughs> <laughs> Just tell me. It's okay. <laughs> like it a little bit.
1: Um, Okay.
0: So they go ahead and they arrest Brandy and this I thought was actually really garbagey. Yeah. Apparently they didn't just arrest her. Apparently they made it like a spectacle of sorts. Yeah. Like they went to her fire station and just really like embarrassing and dramatic. I thought that was a little bit over the top.
1: I totally agree. And the thing that's even shittier is that they arrest her. They put her in jail for a minute. Then they immediately drop the charges and then she gets fired from her job anyway
3: after 10 years of service brandy is fired
1: brandy's record as firefighter was immaculate
2: i think she got some of the highest reviews consistently every year she never thought that it would actually go as far as terminator she thought everything would be dropped the charges that be dropped against her
0: brandy lived for the fire service and it
3: just uh it just tore her apart
1: If you drop the charges, how is it legal to then fire her? Like, I think that's really shitty. And if she really didn't know about the pot growing situation, Jeff, you're a shitty husband. I'm sorry to say it, but like, you're a shitty fucking husband. And guess what? We're going to learn that their marriage goes like down the drains after this. And fucking, of course it does.
0: Yeah. More on that later. Yeah.
1: I mean, it's so obviously she's devastated, but you know, she's faced adversity before. She knows how to pick herself up and dust herself off and keep going. And this is when she goes to that town Malabar to get that volunteer firefighter gig where she was at the beginning of the episode. So that happens after she gets fired. And, you know, they're saying that, like, you can't go two years in Florida without practicing your fire shit or you lose your certifications. And she didn't want to do that. So she's in the process of, like, rebuilding her life.
0: Right. And at that point, her and her husband are obviously without their jobs. They have to find a way to make ends meet. So she starts doing odd jobs plumbing and she was doing construction and she was doing anything she could to pay the
1: bills. So it's Thursday, August 17th, 2006. It's a year after the arrest, and Jeff is going to his sentencing hearing.
3: A year after his arrest, Jeff has a court date to be sentenced for his crime. Although there's a chance of getting off on probation, Jeff's former position as fire chief could bring the law down harder on him.
2: I was the chief. Now, what's this political figure? Brandy was afraid I was going to go to jail for a minimum mandatory of three years, if not higher.
1: They're probably going to throw the book at him. Like he knows he's going to jail. And Jeff tells us that Brandy thinks he's going to jail for three years or more. And I think that's an important note that that's what Brandy thinks.
0: So the night before the hearing, she was actually working an overnight, and that night she calls at about nine thirty to say prayers with her kids, like she did every night. And an hour after that, Jeff gets a call and says, "Hey, you know that big trial you have for your sentencing that was supposed to be at one o'clock? Psych, it's at." eight o'clock.
1: And he gets that call from his mother, not from Brandy. Brandy does not know this.
0: Right. And he's like, wait, what? So they just he kind of has to like recalibrate and think about his day tomorrow. His lawyer is like, no problem. Just get there early. So he calls Brandy to say like, hey, I know you're working an overnight, but I guess you're going to have to go straight from the firehouse to the courthouse. Sorry about that, babe. Yeah. And he can't Get a hold of Brandy, and her voicemail is full.
1: So by the morning, he still hasn't heard from her. She's not home, and remember, this guy's day is like: uh, I gotta drop the kids off. I gotta like get my coffee. I gotta get to the courthouse where I'm gonna be sentenced and then taken to jail. Like this is this guy's morning. I know. Like he's going to jail today. And he
0: basically, I mean, I I actually got a little weepy because he said he was saying goodbye to his kids, and he was like crying. Like he was dropping them off at school, and I'm sure they didn't comprehend, but he was essentially saying goodbye.
1: Sure. He fucking knew this would happen. This is the shit that makes me crazy. Marijuana should be legal. But he knew that if he did this and got caught, he was going to be taken away from his kids. Yeah. Jeff is with us in this episode. He seems repentant and he seems like a nice guy. But like the lack of foresight on his part for how this would affect everybody in his life is kind of unforgivable. And it's no surprise to me that like Brandy was kind of like, I don't like love being in this marriage anymore.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, you're right. But it's with anything. I mean. I mean, everybody who commits a crime doesn't think they're going to get caught,
1: you know? I mean, you're openly growing 13 acres of pot? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I, my, but you know me, I like live in utter fear of getting yelled at. Like, yes. I break no laws. I live in terror of getting in trouble. So I just could never understand doing something like this.
0: Yeah. Me, on the other hand, I know 80% of the Jersey City Police
1: Department by first name. So it's fine. That's true. That I'm sure has nothing to do with your breasts.
0: Oh, I'm like, hey, Lou. Are the kids. <laughs> oh, my God. she's so cute. And
1: he's like, hey, boobs. <laughs> no, it's the loud one with the boobs. She's saying hi to me. She knows my name. <laughs> she knows my name. She knows it's Lou. She knows my name. <laughs> so Brandy was supposed
0: to be off of work at 7 a.m. So Jeff, I do feel for him. I mean, he's just dropped his children off yeah. driving to the courthouse. And he's like, oh, God, I'm so scared about prison.
1: Also, where's my wife? <laughs> Right. Yeah. I mean, because like not for nothing, like just thinking like one step ahead, I'm going to jail today. Who's going to watch
3: the kids? Yeah. You know what I mean?
1: Also, I didn't bring my Noxzema. I'm hoping she
0: packed (laughs) it because it said I could bring Noxzema.
3: Jeff says goodbye to his children and begins the hour long journey to the Osceola courthouse for his sentencing hearing. While driving, he continues trying to find Brandy.
2: I finally got a hold of TJ. He worked with Brandy at the fire station. They were good buddies.
3: He said, Jeff, she left last night about 10.30. Jeff is shocked. If Brandy left the station the night before, where is she now?
1: I would drive off the road. If I'm like, I haven't spoken to Steve since 1030 last night. It's eight in the morning. I'm on my way to jail. I find out that he's been missing since 1030 last night. Jeff is shocked. I am shocked. And I'm just like, what do you do? Yeah. Thank God for hero grandma who can like take the kids anytime. He's got to make that awkward call. Like, hey, grandma, I'm going to jail today. And your daughter is missing. Yeah. Could you watch the kids? You think? Yeah. (laughs) Small hiccup. (laughs) (laughs) And so like he gets to court. And he, like, doesn't know what to do. And, like, everyone is there, all the friends and family. Brandy is supposed to be there. She's supposed to testify for him as, like, a character witness. And everyone is kind of, like, freaking the fuck out. So nobody knows what to do. He goes in. He's like, the whole thing was a blur. It took 30 minutes. I got 18 months and three years of probation, and still nobody's seen my wife. So he gets hauled off to jail. And, you know, now they're saying, like, everyone's trying to find Brandy, but the facts are few.
3: Brandy left the fire station the night before at 10.30 p.m., Now, almost 24 hours later, no one has seen or heard from her. Brandy's mother can't help but worry about her daughter's state of mind.
1: And this is where we start to hear, you know, Brandy's mom is like, look, Brandy and Jeff were not getting along. She was super pissed about the fact that his marijuana growing business cost her her job that she had like loved all of her life. Also here, we learn that Brandy's mom was like, fuck this. I'm going to go look for her by myself. She's driving around for hours. She says at one point she comes to a stop sign and Brandy's friend Cher is at the same stop sign and jumps out of the car. Before we find out what Cher tells her, I said, Brandy was friends with Cher. Of course you did. Do you believe in love after life? Love? You're turn back now. Can you just imagine this stop sign in whatever the fuck town this is in Florida, where Cher jumps out of the car to greet Brandy's mother? She's like, Debbie. Oh, I got something to tell you, Debbie. <laughs> Debbie.
0: Listen. Does he love me? like, Cher, it is not right now what do you have to tell me and she's
1: like sorry <laughs> sorry bitch
3: debbie drives for hours searching for any sign of brandy it's almost dark when her worst fears are realized
4: i remember coming to the stop sign right before the stop sign share one of her best friends was coming the other way seems like she might have got out of the car and come running to me and she's like they just pulled brandy's talk about
1: the pond. Cher is saying to the mom, they
4: just pulled Brandy's
1: truck out of the pond. That's just bad news. There's just no way to spin that, Cher. That's just bad news.
0: I know. And I know we're just like a little weensy bit mad at Jeff, but this next point really, really kind of broke my heart. So, Jeff is is in processing. He
1: is... You guys, Ellen knows all the words revolving around jail. So she's going to say words like processing that I've never heard before. You're going to make people
0: think that I've done something wrong instead of my psychotic ex. You've got to clarify yourself. Um, so he's in the holding cell waiting to get processed. And, you know, he's essentially what we would call like downtown, right? Not in an actual prison cell. So he's watching the cops there watch the TV and he sees the news of his wife's truck being pulled out of the pond. Now imagine being so incapable of being even a shred of help. He is absolutely 100% helpless watching this car getting pulled out of a
1: pond. But the thing that struck me the second time I watched this that I didn't get the first time, he can't hear it. Right. He can only see it. Yeah. So he doesn't know what that fucking means. Like, is she in the car or like the car drove off the road but she's fine he has no information all he knows is that like they're pulling the truck out of the pond and he's losing his mind and he says he's like i knew that was her truck her truck is her pride and joy and i went do your kids know that yeah (laughs) yes really if you call the truck the pride and joy what do you call the kids though the priorities in this family are a little off right kids are fine truck is the pride and joy got it yeah got it i'm up to speed
0: no and you know it's it, listen i can give jeff a whole mess of shit he's not a bad guy he just made bad decisions and i just really i just i couldn't imagine that feeling of like what the fuck what the fuck
1: oh my god I know. that's her car i can know someone
0: talked to me and you know and he's unfortunately he's prisoner. He doesn't have any rights, you know?
1: But you know what that has to tell us? Like, we'll get to this later. Like, the fact that, like, this happened the night before he went to jail is not a coincidence. The very fact that he's dealing with this from jail, I think that is significant. Right. I think that that has to do with why because I was like, oh, if only this could have happened a week before, he could be out looking for her. Yeah. And I'm like, nope, I think it's connected. I think it's connected. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. We'll talk about that later. So he gets one phone call and he calls his his mom, And he's like, please just fill me in.
3: She tells him that earlier in the day, a man fishing in Palm Bay found a firefighter's bunker bag. The items inside, boots, pants, a jacket and helmet, all belonged to Brandy Hall. Firefighters responding to the scene found broken branches and tire marks, suggesting that a vehicle was submerged underwater. They work with police to pull the truck out and confirmed that it's Brandy's.
1: And they say when they get the truck out of the lake, they're, like, bracing themselves to, like, open the door right. and have her be inside. Of
0: course. Of course.
1: Uh, but she wasn't. Good news. She wasn't there. And so they say, you know, early on, suicide was a thought. And they're saying that she was under a ton of financial strain, because I don't know if you guys know this or not, but her husband had an illegal 13-acre pot-selling thing. And so, you know, he got arrested. I don't know if you know that. He's in the clink. And, like, had, like, mounting court costs. Also, because of that she lost her job so they don't have income remember she was working for her friend's construction company literally painting manhole covers I know you say we're a little mad at Jeff I'm more than a little mad at Jeff
0: I don't think he's a bad guy I just I think he made a really really bad decision you know you
1: still get to have pot no matter what happens here right (laughs) you don't have to like you don't have to win this argument to keep getting pot girl Ew, pot is so gross. I've never talked more about pot in my life. But
0: listen, I think that there are people in jail right now that live in states where marijuana is legal and they are serving time for marijuana-related nonviolent crimes. I think it's a racket.
1: Yeah, and that is a very important but totally different conversation about the inequality and racism of the system. Yeah.
0: I'm just saying that I'm not as mad at him as you are. Okay. Oh, oh, oh,
3: Riley.
1: the point is she was really stressed out about money. Did she kill herself because of it? We don't know. So now they do this thing where they're like, all right, we know that she left the firehouse sometime around 11 o'clock. We want to get surveillance and like see how that was. Right? Did she get into a fight with somebody? Did somebody follow her out of the parking lot? This really comes to nothing except that I love surveillance video.
0: Every time they say surveillance, I am like eyes glued.
1: Remember the episode where it was like, we were looking for this missing person.
0: It was Ray Here,
1: Yeah, here's surveillance video of him from four months before he went missing, <laughs> yeah. of him walking into his job. And I was like, I still love it. I still want to yes, see it. I'm riveted. I'm ri- playing it again. <laughs> Rewind it. Rewind <laughs> it. i want to watch it again.
3: Detectives also speak to firefighters who were working with Brandy the night she disappeared. Brandy Hollab told her coworkers that she just wasn't feeling good um, and her stomach seemed upset, so uh, she was going to go home and sleep. Surveillance video from the fire station seems to confirm Nothing out of the ordinary occurred that last night.
0: She told her co-workers that she had an upset stomach, which I actually, that really tracks for me. Nervous belly? Sure. I get nervous belly over everything. Like, I won't eat, I'll get the gurgles. Well, I was just
1: thinking, like, who wants to share a poop bathroom with a bunch of firefighters? That sounds terrible. If you got a bad tummy, you go home and take care of that. You don't want to do that at the firehouse.
0: You have so many issues surrounding
1: poop. Oh, imagine, oh God, I can't, oh, a firehouse full of men and one girl? Tell me she's got her own bathroom. Does she have her own bathroom?
0: Um, first of all, she's a woman and, um, she oh probably doesn't because she's just a down ass bitch and she doesn't care. i like your ass, Patricia. Anyway, everything checks out. She left. Everything seemed cool and normal. The camera surveillance says that she left at ten fifty PM, which absolutely tracks with Jeff's statement. So they check her phone activity. Yep. She definitely called her kids at nine 30. Everything is consistent, but wait a minute. Hold up a second. what would she call at 11.05 for 11 minutes?
1: You guys, at 11.05, she called Randall Richmond, her former boss from the Palm Bay Fire Department, and they talked for 11 fucking minutes.
0: Now, remember, this is the place that she was fired from after the whole thing went down with Jeff's marijuana charge.
1: And I'm like, Brandon, you were so cool being friends with this fucking guy, the guy who fired you for no fucking reason. Well, let's find out why.
3: <laughs> On Sunday, August 20th, Randall comes in for questioning and tells investigators shocking news. Brandy was planning on fleeing. Mr. Richmond came to the police department, stated that Miss Hall had spoke to him Thursday night, which would have been August 17th, and said that she was leaving, she was going away. Uh, she was waiting at the Sunoco gas station for money. Miss Hall did not tell Mr. Richmond who was supposed to bring her money, only that she couldn't take it anymore. She was just gonna go away and disappear.
1: She said she couldn't take it anymore. She was just going to go away and disappear. And I just went, this story is bullshit. Right, girl? Right. And it comes out of nowhere.
0: Now, everyone says she would never leave her kids.
1: Yeah, but what about her pride and joy, that truck? You think she'd leave the yeah. truck? <laughs> girl. Kids are one thing, but the pride and joy you got to really think about. Yeah.
0: She loved her kids. <laughs> Mostly her truck. <laughs>
1: So they check out his story, and they say, even though it seems like in the moment they kind of accepted it at face value, they're like, yeah, there's no corroboration for this. Nobody at that gas station saw that truck that night.
0: And not only... That there's no surveillance. Like, not only eyewitnesses, there's no... I was like, uh, he is spinning some fiction.
1: I mean, it's fucking crazy. I mean, it's also like murderer's handbook, chapter one. Say she was going to leave. Just be like, yes, I was the last person to see and talk to her. All I know, girl, is that she told me she was going to leave and never speak to anybody ever again. Weird, right? And by the way, I haven't told anybody this story until I was hauled downtown to the cops. But now seems as good a time as any to let you know what I know. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Oh, Randall, if you get started now, you'll get a head start
0: fucking off!
1: (laughs) (laughs) So they do a forensic exam of the truck. They do find blood and they determine that it's Brandy's blood, but they can't tell how much of it was there. And the cops decide that this is further proof that she staged her disappearance. That doesn't make any fucking sense to me.
0: Yeah, they say that she, you know, she was a fireman, and EMT. She knew how to draw her own
1: blood. But like, did you also want to consider that like she was a woman by herself? Maybe she could have been a victim of a fucking crime. Right. Like, I don't know why, like, this woman with this upstanding reputation that everybody loves, that's a great mom, fuck, loves the shit out of her truck. Why, like, why you would immediately jump to th- this means she left on purpose? That doesn't make any sense to me. No, I agree. Oh, oh, and nobody can find her gun. We get 15 minutes of Stacy, the one who, like, loved growing up in the woods, talking about how, like, she loved guns, she had guns.
3: Brandy's missing gun underlines a more important point in the case. According to her friends, if someone approached Brandy that night, it had to be someone she knew.
0: Brandy wouldn't allow strangers near her her truck or her equipment, and if she felt threatened, she wouldn't have
3: them come very close to her either, you know, so she was a very cautious person.
1: If something bad did happen to her, it had to have been done by somebody that knew her. Because there's no way anybody who didn't know her would have been able to get close enough to her to hurt her because she had guns and she fucking knew how to use them.
0: Right. She was not afraid to pull a gun on you. It should also be said that pond that they found the car in, they drained it. I know. Based on
1: all the episodes we've done, I'm shocked there wasn't 19 cars down there.
0: Yeah, I know. I know. But
1: to that point, why
0: is this the first pond we've ever drained? This is my
1: first, like... I know, I know. Can
0: we drain more ponds, maybe?
1: Aren't we also in a water crisis? Can we all just leave this shit alone? But then we also get this whole bit about how, like, well, actually, maybe it was the marijuana business that her dirtbag husband did without her knowing. That, like, they're saying that maybe they were involved, like, you know, 13 acres of pot's a lot of pot, and they're saying maybe they were dealing with bad people who they owed money to.
0: I, no, uh, no.
1: Okay, yeah, absolutely not. The- Is questionable.
0: That is the biggest thing for me is the timing of all this, right? But first of all, it was 13 acres. He didn't have 13 acres of pot. (laughs) How do you know? Because they didn't. And like, he didn't. They
1: Are we still talking about
0: this? <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying we're not dealing with like a cartel. Right. So the fact that they thought that they were like, oh, maybe like Jeff hired someone to get rid of Brandy because a drug dealer was after them because they were. No, it was a stupid guy who grew way too much fucking pot. Pot was illegal at the time. It was wrong. But we're not dealing with like cartel <laughs> rings.
3: Almost a year has passed since Brandy Hall has gone missing. Family and friends find it increasingly difficult to hold on to the hope that Brandy is alive when suddenly, a clue surfaces.
0: So June 28th, 2007, we're at Indian River County in Florida. A backpack is found in the river. Okay, so just for geography's sake, this is 30 miles south of the pond where the truck was found, but they're in no way connected through any kind of waterway. So they're
1: saying that like, it couldn't have like fallen out of the truck and then like floated downstream to where they found it. Yeah,
0: exactly. It's a totally separate body of water. So the backpack was found and in the backpack was a couple of clothes those random things, but they did find a day planner. And that day planner belonged to Brandy.
1: Yeah, and they're just saying that this kind of rules out the theory that she fled on her own. I don't know why. Like, you know, they're saying that somebody had to have thrown that backpack there. And maybe the idea is that if she left on her own, why wouldn't she have taken it or whatever? But like, according to the cops, finding this backpack rules out the idea that she left on her own. But I just say like, oh, how ghoulish to find that a year later, you know? And like, yeah. you see it and you see the day planner and it looks like it like was brought up from the fucking ocean floor. Like on the Titanic, you know, it looks like it's from like 80 years ago.
0: But I love the investigator that says, um, yeah, that was just a dead end. And like in that moment, you see him really regret that choice of verbiage. (laughs) He's like, I just, you maybe not want to say dead end when we're talking about a missing person. And they're like, we can't go back. You said it. You said it. You said dead end. Did you see He literally recoiled. He's like, that was just a dead end.
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and he just froze. <laughs> so, you know, they rule out the drug angle. And finally, 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 they decide they're going to actually, like, take a hard look at this Randall Richmond guy, her former boss, who was the last person to talk to her that night. This is where we learned that Jeff thinks and and kind of has evidence that Randall and Brandy were having a full-on affair. Well, I think it goes beyond
0: thanks. They were having an affair.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah, after she went missing, I found one of her cell phones and I found some text messages. The test messages pretty much at that point in time made me realize that her and Randall were having an affair.
0: So they get a search warrant to search Randall Richmond's car to see if anything belonged to Brandy or there was any hair or trace evidence, and there wasn't. But he was still brought in for questioning, and he basically said they were having an emotional affair.
1: Oh, wait, you're on record. You hate emotional affairs. You've talked about this before.
0: I mean, I hate all affairs. <laughs> I would like to go on record as saying that that's just, just break up. Yeah, just just <laughs> do the thing where you break up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but then Cher oh, <laughs> was like.
1: <laughs> mm. Oh, way to bring a call back right at the end of the app girl.
0: Um, and then Cher was like, no, No, Brandy told me they were having an affair.
1: And in addition to this, we learn about this guy Randall's wife, Anne-Marie. She was not having this shit. She was not having this woman trying to get on her man. Because we had been told earlier in the episode that, like, this guy Randall and Brandy's family, like, they were really close. They would go on camping trips together. They spent tons of time together. And we learned that was not the case at all. Anne-Marie and Brandy were having public fights. Right. Where they were basically, like, hitting each other. They were sending threatening text messages. It's like you Guys, like take one look at Randall. He's not worth it, you guys. You could both do better. Yeah,
0: yeah, for sure. So that's sort of where the episode ends. Randall and his wife were named persons of interest, but they were not investigated further. Yeah. And, you know, I did a lot of research. This is a very well-known case. There's a lot of podcasts just devoted to this case alone. It is by no means a cold case. There's a multiple part series podcast on it from as late as November in 2019, and they have not not given up their search for justice. And I also would just like to say, I do feel like I'm oddly defending Jeff in this case, which is very, this is, it's a very weird look for me to defend a man. Yeah. But <laughs> when you see him, he is clearly remorseful for the illegal activity that he brought into his wife's life. He's not emotionally empty. He definitely sees the wrong in what he did. You know, he gets very emotional. He gets very weepy. And, you know, the family is still very, very much committed to finding out exactly what happened.
1: Are there theories out there? Like, who do people think did it? Do people think she walked away? Do people think it was this Randall guy? What do they think?
0: From everything I've read online, most things point to randall okay but from what i read there is a really great podcast by john torres it's a multiple part series and it also kind of indicates that the cops are very very well aware who did it
1: oh wow so
0: yeah that is stated very very clear that they know they just need a little bit more evidence possibly and that was just
1: last year yeah huh all right well say something funny girl I'd take back all those words <laughs> that hurt you <laughs> and you'd stay.
0: <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't take back all those words. No. I mean them all. No. I mean all the words.
4: <laughs>
1: oh my God, you guys, we did. It's season three, episode 12, I think. We've got one more episode to go in the season. Girl, we're almost to season four.
0: Oh my God. Season four, where has the time gone? Go, nope, stop, stop, stop.
1: <laughs> you guys, if you want more Ellen and me, get on the Patreon, join the drama club. You get three full bonus episodes every month. Right now we're covering Snap, but we're going to be covering tons of other true crime stuff. The episodes are hilarious. If you want to hear us like talk about murder rather than missing people, find it there. You also get Friday Night Live in podcast form, ad-free versions of these episodes, uh, the close friends group on Instagram, which is my, my favorite thing, and monthly trivia. Monthly trivia trivia by the time you've heard this you'll either love us more or maybe
0: don't like us at all anymore so we'll see we hope this goes our way
1: you guys join the Facebook group Obsessed with Disappeared podcast discussion group follow us on Instagram the disappeared pod we go live every Friday night at 6 o'clock we call it Friday night live girl tell them all the places on the internet they can find you okay you can find
0: me at Ellen Marsh on Instagram and Twitter and you can find me at Ellen Marie Marsh on
1: TikTok she was so happy when I gave her that intro just follow me at Patrick Hines underscore on Instagram at Patrick on Twitter, where Chrissy Teigen retweeted me today. It's fine. It's totally fine.
0: But also, can we find Patrick Hines just so we can and just offer him some money so we can take away that <laughs> underscore?
1: Like, like, where is that Patrick Hines and what is he doing? I don't know. I've looked. I found it out at one point, but now I can't remember. I don't know, girl. Patrick Hines, if you're listening,
0: we'll <laughs> listen. I got $20 for you just begging to be put in your pocket.
1: We love you guys.
0: Love you. Bye. Bye.
1: You guys also, our Instagram, Obsessed, what is our Instagram?
0: Right, so our show is called Obsessed with Disappeared, <laughs> and all our Instagram is is Obsessed with Disappeared Pod, my love. Easy as that.
1: No, no, you're wrong. It's The Disappeared Pod. Oh, my God, you're right.
0: <laughs> that was actually really funny. You made a funny. <laughs> That's are so cute when you're funny. <laughs> Did I ever tell you the last time I got out of a, a moving violation ticket?
1: Oh, God. Also, by the way, if you write a memoir and it's not called Moving Violation, we are not friends anymore.
0: And I do have to say this. I'm not kidding. I have been... To court for crazy for for, for which I, it had nothing to do with anything I had done wrong. I was on the prosecuting side. More on that later.
1: Well, uh, if we look real, if we look into it, we could tie it to bad decisions. But yeah, that's yeah, for bad, another time. yeah, bad
0: romantic decisions, which has never been mentioned on this podcast.